Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello you beauties, get that delicious carabao in my belly. Welcome to the Football Ramble, it's Thursday the 6th of January. I'm Jules Breach. I'm Andy Brassel. And I'm Luke Moore. Welcome along, you wonderful human beings, to the Football Ramble this Thursday. Happy New Year, Luke. Happy New Year to you too, Jules, and to you, Andy, Happy and to New everyone year, listening. Andy. Ha- Happy New Year, I feel like I've said it w- at least once on the Ramble already this week. You yeah. were on yesterday, so I'm sure you did. Yes. It's our, our first time back in, isn't it, mm. Lukey? It is. It feels like I've been off for a good a good amount of time. Well, because you have. Because I have, yeah, exactly. And exactly. you've got some new clobber as well. But the listeners, crucially, will be very, very pleased to hear that I'm back on the show. Yeah. I think we can understand. I think we can all agree on that. In They'll some... be pleased that your shacket is back on yeah, the show. Yeah, and some new go. clothes and all. Yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do in the summer when it's not someone's even got some new. <laughs> someone's got some new Christmas presents. Yeah. Is that a new chain as well? No. Oh, it's not, I've no. just never noticed that before. <laughs> you see, well, to the, to the Jules, listener, this <laughs> makes him sound like B.A. Barakas. <laughs> I know, exactly. <laughs> and Jules, the fact that you just spent about 15 minutes talking, asking us whether you're, we thought your jump, jumper was pink or purple, it well, doesn't surprise me you've not noticed anything about me. <laughs> I thought it was pink, but now that I look at it, I feel like it's purple, Andy, but you're a bit, you don't know, do you? Yeah, I'm, I'm borderline. I can't really tell. I'm the worst person to ask. <laughs> this is not the best listening for people no, that not. cannot see what we look like right no. now. Uh, no. but, anyway, but neither can I. Yeah, no, <laughs> You can't. You can't. Um, look, there was some Carabao action last night. We had the first legs of, uh, well, the first leg of the semi-final. We'll come on to the other match, which ended up being postponed, the one tonight between Arsenal and Liverpool in a moment. But let's talk about what we did see on the pitch yesterday at Stamford Bridge. Chelsea beating Spurs by two goals to nil. They are halfway through to the final. Um, what did you think of the game? Because 
I'll be completely honest, because of what happened in the first half an hour, I sort of got a bit bored in mm. the second half, which is when Spurs did start to come into the game. I switched off so much, I didn't even realise Timo Werner was on the pitch until he had that miss. Well, that, to be fair, that can happen. Exactly, exactly that process can happen. You don't know he's there, then he misses a chance, and you do know and he's there. And then you're like, oh, here he is. He came on at half-time, did he? Yeah, that's right. You were very upset with him for ruining Hakim Ziyech's ball, weren't you? I just think that we take for granted in the world of football that we're always going to get these amazing moments. And we may not always have them. And when one is presented, a potential one is presented, like one of the best passes of the season, left to mm -hmm. Werner to finish, and he doesn't finish it, that that potential assist is now lost to the sands of time. You see, I, I disagree. You're looking at it as it's a great ball that needs to be an assist. I think the finish would end up taking away from the assist, whereas now it can be happily, <laughs> it can be happily memed, like yeah. his other ones for yeah. Ajax, and no goal to like get in the way or muddy the waters. But the thing about them, I mean, I quite like the save. Very thoughtful of him. It was a good save. It, it was a good enough save. It was. It was good. And yeah. I'll come on to you. I'll, I'll actually answer your question in a minute about the game. But but before we do, just on, to finish on the Werner thing, it's like he looks like he's forgotten. Not he's not not just that he's out of form or that he's lacking in confidence or that he you know whatever he's not quite settled. All those things may be true. I don't know. But what it looks like to me. It's almost like he's forgotten what to do because in that particular moment, he, he's a, he has so much time. He takes up a good position. Fair enough. Um, one of the Spurs centre-backs is lazily playing him on side. That, that can happen. Well, not lazily, but hasn't pushed up quickly enough. He, he has so much time, he thinks, okay, I'm going to lift it. But he lifts it in such a way that not only is it not high enough to go over the goalkeeper, <laughs> but it's got such little pace on it. If it does go over the goalkeeper... Literally, I could have gone round and cleared it from home. Yeah, probably get on the yeah get on the number sixty eight bus, and I'm there. So it's 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 a it's a baffling situation. Of course, it's difficult when you come off the bench and all the rest of it. And there's been a lot of noise around Chelsea, as we know, to use the word Thomas Tuchel used. But to answer your question, um, I thought Chelsea were excellent in the first half an hour. They effectively killed the game in yeah. thirty four minutes. Yeah, they did. And then Spurs level kind of either whichever way you look at it improved in the second half or Chelsea just said you know what we've got a lot of games we've got a lot of stuff to get through a lot of stuff's happened let's just manage the game I, I suspect it's probably a bit of both because yes. there's no way Conte's yes. not giving them a rocket at half time and um, it was almost a bit like the reason perhaps you come away with it with a kind of boring taste in your mouth is because it, it kind of fizzled out yeah it was it was sort of done after those two first half goals which I mean, they've credited the first goal to Havertz, but really it was an it's own It's generous. Goal. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely He's an own goal. He's delighted with that. So it, after... it, it, it's been credited to Havertz because the second one is, no, that's an own that goal. That is... <laughs> I mean, yeah. to be fair, the they are both own goals, but the second one is just comical, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Absolutely comical. Absolute... That, that's how you want to see an own goal. It's an absolute feather head of a feather. <laughs> of a header, sorry. Into Ben Davis, who would be within his rights at half time to be going straight over to Tanganga and going, I'm not fucking taking that own goal. I don't fucking care. You can put it in the records all you like. I am not taking it. That is your own goal. I thought the analysis at half time on Sky was very interesting by uh, Ashley Cole and, and Michael Dawson, right up until the point where they're replaying re that goal. They show the ball coming in and. Um, Ashley Cole goes, oh, he's got time to like chest it there, take a touch. And Michael Dawson goes, take a touch in your own penalty box. He was obviously so offended by that. And obviously he was right to, to underline that as well. Um, uh, for those listening who know um, that I occasionally mention my mate, uh, Big Pav, who's a Spurs fan, mm. he messaged me when the own goal went in, uh, the second goal, the Davis own goal, saying... He just he just what's up me saying, fuck me, we don't need a new coach, we need a fucking exorcism. <laughs> <laughs> 
But it was, it was, um, it was. I mean, that, the thing is, though, is it's it's amusing because, but there's nothing that really the coach can coach into the players mm-hmm. for those two own well, goals. What, what, well, you say, you, say, you say that. I could hear the Port Antonio Conte jingle <laughs> running around my head when when that was happening. He must like have been... kill him. Ex- yeah. Exactly. He must have been so furious. It's, it's but, about, but, having, having said that, I don't think you can separate um, the Spurs performance from the way that Conte set them up, which I, I don't think was great either. Mm. Well, I think it, I was actually going to they, say they, they, similar, they, they were set up in quite a, vul- a way that, that they, they made themselves quite vulnerable, Spurs, I thought, from the off. What it is, though, is it is just a reminder that Spurs have got some way to go on this journey. And it's no coincidence that, you know, Conte is starting to make these fairly thinly veiled comments about how you know, they need to be backed and they need to they need to bring in better players. And So, so hang on, are you saying that his setup of the team is perhaps a little nudge to leave <laughs> albeit in a semi-final to say the depth the depth that we require currently isn't there I, I think managers do that all the time and I think I think you know everyone even apart from you know the most ardent Spurs fan or as Jim called them yesterday internet fan thicko would, would, <laughs> which I enjoyed would say Spurs are nowhere near Chelsea's level and yeah. this is a process the problem with, with, has Conte already improved Spurs yes obviously he has mm. in all the, all the data and in all the performances and ultimately in the results as well of course he has but it's still a big journey to go and you go away to Chelsea in the semi-final um, and you've got to stay in the game now have they stayed in the game for the second leg people are saying they have I think they're still have. in it yeah, yeah I think they're well still you it. think that but then actually you look at how difficult it is in real terms and according to statistics to overturn a 2-0 deficit um, even when you're taking the second leg at home it's quite tough I mean, if you t- I mean it's a different competition mm. but you take the Champions League for example mm. the knockout phase of the Champions League you know the, the amount of times you'll see oh to turn over maybe a three goal deficit it's never been done before or whatever yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Harder than it, it's harder than it initially thinks the away goal rule with that does help though yeah I mean of course that, that won't be in the Champions exactly. League this yeah. season but yeah. the, you know the, the, the Carabao Cup is, is, is the same isn't it mm-hmm. the, the, the fact that there's no away goal is what makes you think Spurs have got a glimmer otherwise I, I don't think they would have mm. at, at all but I think going back to what you were saying Luke the, the task is not about I don't think historically coming back from 2-0 down and that sort of stuff I think it's the fact that, as you mentioned, there is a gulf. And this yeah. wasn't Chelsea at their strongest point either. Like, Lukaku, I think, did enough to show why he will be useful for them for the rest of the season. But I thought wasn't, he played well, actually. Yeah, he wasn't 100% sharp. Mm. You, you know, on his on his best, like, Spurs wouldn't be coming back. The best you, in you the, know, that, that, that would the be best in the carry goal that. deficit. The best in the carry that was in the first minute, where he breaks through and he actually elects to cross it. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah a, a absolutely. Conf- a confidence settled... Um, Lukaku has not been through what he's been from the last week or so. Just cross it back onto the left foot and smash it in. It. Yeah, yeah. doesn't even think about it. And, yeah. and I say what he's been through. I mean, obviously, a lot of that has been he's been the architect of that, <laughs> and so he's played a role in that. But I just mean, if he was fully, fully switched I... on and, and confident, he's, he's, he's he hits that. I'm yeah, not saying he scores. I agree. I'm just saying I he agree. hits it. I thought he put a shift in though. I thought he was. Yeah. I thought he did well with some of the press, and I thought he. I thought he played all right bar scoring, but. Um, I was disappointed he didn't score because I was hoping there was going to be some kind of apology celebration as well. <laughs> the video. Yeah. I was I was waiting for it. I wondered what he was going to do. One of you know maybe a little bit one of those to the crowd, a little bit of a praying thing. I'd loved him to have um, pointed pointed up at the uh, at the director's box, maybe <laughs> give it give the thumb across the throat to Tuchel. Kiss the badge. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Kiss but, the badge just but, for it. But on the on the Spurs thing, I mean the comments Conte's made, which I mentioned earlier, they're obviously completely understandable, right? And Andy will know more about this than me. But if you look at the profile of manager they've brought in with Conta, he's he. 
you cannot get him to the club without giving certain assurances and guarantees about what you're going to do and what your plans are. He yes. said it himself before he took the job. He said, I, I need to have a chance of winning something. I'm not going to go to a club that hasn't got a chance, even if it's a really small chance. And then he followed up with that after the game last night by saying Chelsea are a team that are ready to win. We're a team that are in the middle, which I guess is, you know, an English as a second language type way of saying, you know, we've, we're on a journey. We're not at mm. the destination yet. Shall I read out his quotes from post-match um, yesterday? Because he certainly didn't put any punches. This is what he said. He said, every game we struggle... In the last years, the level of Tottenham has dropped and has dropped a lot. Compare the teams. There is no comparison. They're a team who are ready to win. We're a team in the middle. Yeah. A little bit too honest, do you think, Andy? No, I, th I think that's fair. No, no, I think it's the right time to say that as well when he wants to get what he wants. Um, obviously, the summer will be more important than, than January. But I, th I think it's, it's, it's said to motivate some of those players as well. I mean... Look, no one's denying what Harry Kane has done for Spurs and for English football. How can you turn up in a semi-final and play like that? Yeah. It, it just it just wasn't good enough, yeah. really. Yeah. And I think Conte will not be scared of expressing that to him. And I think, you know, we can talk about the gap in terms of quality. You know, I, I think it's fair to talk about that. But in terms of desire, well, maybe not desire, but certainly application, I think it was clear. I mean, Sal, who's had a lot of criticism and a lot of it quite reasonable since he's he's arrived in England. I thought he had his his best game for 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 Chelsea so far. I mean, there was there was that one when Spurs were twitching a little bit at the beginning of the second half, and he I had no idea how he get, got away with it. Where Son's getting himself poised about twenty five yards from the Chelsea goal, and Sal absolutely cleans him out, yeah. <laughs> and then gets up and. And brings the ball out with it with it with a couple of really good <clears throat> progressive passes. You, you feel that, that okay, maybe maybe something's happening here. Maybe maybe he can be doing something. And you know that that is important for any of these clubs who've got a condensed fixture list, who've got a shitload of stuff to do if they want to get to where they want to be. Um, it's it's important that all those those players stand up. And and Tottenham, never mind quality, they're nowhere near that yet. Which mm. I I think is is is, well, is an uh, issue, and and you would and expect this, it to be at this point. But but this game needs to be a catalyst, <laughs> I, I, I think, for for where they're expected to be. Because yes, they have improved under under Conte. But it's one thing looking as if you're the part against Norwich or Crystal Palace or whatever. This is something else, and, well, and this needs to be a marker for them. The thing is, is people are saying that the Carabao Cup is probably Tottenham's best opportunity for silverware this season, obviously, because mm. they're in the semi-finals. But actually, when you look at the fact that they're 2-0 down from the first leg, they've got to overcome that to get to the final. And the final is quite soon. We're mm. talking about the end of February here. Is that enough time for Antonio Conte to work with this team to present them with this opportunity of silverware or perhaps <clears throat> will they have a better opportunity maybe of going all the way in the FA Cup well, because they'll have had more time to work with the players up until the end of May. Well, that's what I, there's, there are Spurs fans who are pretty happy that the, a lot of their games have been postponed for exactly that reason. Yeah. And if, you, if you, there are reasons I think to be positive and negative around Spurs at the moment. For me, you know, the positivity around the new manager should be that he the things he is able to in, almost instantly affect, he's affected them. And you can see that by the statistics. You know, I, th I think Sky put a, a, a graphic up last night about their expected goals for, their expected goals against, their distance covered, all this other stuff, their points per game, their goals per game. And all of it has improved markedly since Nuna. Now, fair enough, that's a low bar. It was, yes. it was probably the nadir yes. of the modern Spurs mm -hmm. to have when they had Nuno. 
So he's, but he's, the point is he's controlling the controllables. The rest of it takes time. Yeah. Just because the football world now exists in this weird kind of microcosm of instantaneous kind of gratification and reward and this kind of weird ecosystem around people not getting what they want instantly, it doesn't mean it happens in the real world. And if you're going to go to a, a semi-final, which is a big deal for Spurs, and I agree with what Andy said yesterday about actually about how it was a big deal for both teams, but particularly for Spurs, and you are going to play with players like Ben Davis at and you're going to play with players like um, Mac Doherty, kind of you know, out of position. And you're going to, you know, you're going to do what you're going to do with someone like Brian Hill and bring him on, who's not quite ready yet. You're not going to win games very often, especially not against teams like Chelsea, who are, you know, let's not forget the current serving European champions. Yeah, and I mean, that's that's a really fair point. I, I, I so think it takes time. In, in terms, of, agreed. But I think in terms of the team he picked. I, I understand that they've got a lot of games at the moment. I understand that there's a lot of things to to balance. If you're serious about going to Chelsea and getting a result, how are you picking Doherty in front of Reguilon? I, I, I just don't get that. And I, I do have that sympathy. And I guess you could argue that maybe the way that the league is going, the, the way that the Premier League is going with the top three having cut away a while ago, and obviously Manchester City since having cut away as one, the way it's looking, and especially the way that Manchester United are looking, and maybe we'll come to them a little bit later, this is a heaven-sent opportunity for Tottenham to get in the top four. A, an opportunity that perhaps, mm. points-wise, maybe it was on when they got there. But given what they'd shown under Nuno in the first part of the season, it didn't look on. I didn't think... I thought when Conte came in, it was unreasonable to expect him to go for the Champions League spot. That fourth Champions League spot is there for the taking now. And, you know, maybe that's the bottom line. Yeah, I certainly agree with that as well. Um, let's talk a bit about the game that was meant to go ahead tonight. But as I mentioned, Arsenal against Liverpool... The other semi-final first leg, um, as we suspected yesterday, has now been postponed after Liverpool's training ground was closed following what seems to be a major COVID outbreak there. The first leg is now rescheduled and they've announced that it's going to be at Anfield next Thursday, the 13th. And then the second leg will be played on the 20th. Um, that means that Arsenal's Premier League schedule has been shaken up ever so slightly as well. Their match against Burnley, which was meant to go ahead next Saturday, has now been moved to the Sunday instead, so they've got a little bit more time in between. Um, look, I don't think that there's any arguments that this game should have been postponed, Andy, with no. the training ground being closed. But I think what this does bring up is a conversation yet again about what the rules are from competition to competition on when games are allowed to be postponed mm. um, with players being out due to COVID, players being out due to injury, and whether there should be some consistent rule across competitions on when this can happen. I think because the situation is so fluid, it's everyone wants a definite answer and everyone wants clear direction from the authorities. That That is fair enough. But the situation is so fluid and every situation is so different. I'm not really sure how you can provide that i mean as you say jules this is like an open and shut case you know even if you said oh well the under 23s could play and you know people were making uh reference to that um that that game between um villa and liverpool going going back but you know if, if the training ground shut they've got nowhere to prepare anyway <laughs> yeah. i mean yeah. you know you know it, it's, it's 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 difficult as well and i think as as well that idea that we i think we kind of touched on it earlier in the week that Games should be happening because that's what the fans want. Do the fans want games that aren't really proper games? I mean, I don't know. I'd like to feel that if I'm paying to get in, it's the 
the real deal. Yeah, that's a fair point. And I think the, the con- we should probably just talk about the elephant in the room very quickly, which is just late in Orient thing, which happened um, earlier. <clears throat> Against Spurs. Yeah, um, where they had to forfeit. Last season. Yeah, last season, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Where they had to forfeit the... Um, forfeit the game the reason that happened was because they weren't able to reschedule the game before the next round started and of course in this case Arsenal and Liverpool I suppose Liverpool have benefited from being so late in the competition that the final's not scheduled till when it's scheduled so it's true. True. and last season it's a different world it was a different world yeah. and, 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 that, and that actually and is a really good point and speaks to the crux of this issue genuinely what has, do you think you guys and the people listening what do you think the football world has learned in the last 18 months? Because the only thing I saw on the way in this morning was the fact that UEFA want to do a, a European Championship every two oh, years God, yeah. because FIFA want to do a World Cup every two yeah. years. So their answer to this apparently... More football. It's more football. So Madness. It's, it feels like the, the legacy of this, sadly, is going to be that they haven't learned a damn thing about it and the answer is just going to be more and more football over and over again. Products more important than quality. Because that's yeah. all they know, but that's it, all they know. It just screams player welfare and that they are probably the last people that are thought of in all of this. Yeah, and well, it's completely you, unfair. You know what? And what's, as I said yesterday, what's overlooked in that is the fans are getting fleeced as, as, as well. Yeah. You know, players that aren't looked after equals shit football. Yeah. Right, we're going to take a break now. When we come back, we'll get to some of your lovely emails and we'll have a little bit of a, a dip into the transfer window. Well, and we're also going to slag off Man United, so don't forget Oh, right, that. we'll do that too. <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Great chat, lads, there. Well done. That was really, really interesting. Could have just listened to you two all day, chat about the tactics. Basically, you know, United are shit. <laughs> well, that brings us nicely on <laughs> what rem- we're going to be talking about <laughs> that, after. That, that remains the only insightful thing Danny Mills has ever said in his broadcasting career. And I'm happy to go on record. And that. it wasn't meant to go on air. No, it wasn't. Either. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, look, we'll come on to Man United in a moment. But first, it's time for this. Oh, yeah. Get that solo. 
<laughs> just biz- absolutely bizarre. <laughs> so where is it? Where is the guitar? I don't know. I think that might be the joke. Also, also, my trousers don't feel tight enough. Uh, <laughs> yeah. They are pretty tight. I'm looking at them Mine now. Do. <laughs> I've got leathers on today. <laughs> uh, we've got a great email here from Kyle. It says, as a bona fide football boot nerd, I really enjoyed the mention of the first flashy football j- boots during the Henry VIII chat. Which I could not believe, by the way, when I was listening to that. Yeah. What a story. Yeah, yeah amazing. Uh, I wanted to drop in a mention for one of my favourite stories of this genre, Alan Ball's White Hummels. Hummel had a small footprint eh, in the UK market, <laughs> selling around 5,000 pairs of their black football boots. In a fortunate confluence of events, Hummel managed to secure Alan Ball on an endorsement deal just ahead of the start of the 70-71 season. One of the ideas floated during the build-up to the season was to bring the first white football boots to market to give the brand some cut-through. The problem was the timeline to manufacture the boots and the start of Alan's contract with the brand designed to kick off with the annual curtain raiser of the charity shield between Bulls, Everton and Chelsea didn't exactly sync up. What transpired was a, taking a pair of Bulls' existing Adidas boots, painting them with white spray paint and getting them on a train from West mm-hmm. Yorkshire to London where they were hand-delivered to Bull just before kickoff. Hopefully they dried by then. <laughs> uh, Everton went on to win the game 2-1 and Hummel's order books swelled to 12,000 in the wake of the game, doubling their quota in one morning. That is fascinating. Great wow. stuff. That's the, that's the best um, football boot story since um, Glenn Hoddle's red suede boots. Back in the day when people were not story. wearing red boots, he Go used on. to used to used to wear a pair of red suede boots when he was Swindon player manager. And the story goes, I've told this a few times, but so bear with me. I obviously uh, wasn't listening. Yeah, you know, probably, <laughs> probably before your time, Jules. Um, where the story goes, I can't remember. Someone quite well known who became quite well known as a footballer was his apprentice, and um, all the other players came in, chucked their boots on to their apprentice to clean them. Apparently, Glenn Hoddle walked in with his red suede ones up to his apprentice in front of everyone, gave him a wink and went, these will test you. <laughs> so he had to end up cleaning these suede boots. So, suede yeah. in an English season, that, that, Ooh, gives, that gives me a panic yeah, attack. I've got suede like Chelsea boots and you can't wear them when it's raining. No, and, and the not even watered. with that spray that they rip you off with at the till where you, they say, make sure you yeah. buy this, it protects yeah. it. Doesn't, yeah. doesn't I think, really, I does think it? it shows that Hoddle went off the rails way before the Island Drury stuff. <laughs> I mean, he's got so, he had everything going for him and he had so much like money that he could just go, do you know what? I'm going to wear a pair of suede boots in, in the wet. That's what I'm going to do. It makes me think of uh, Dennis Lilly's tin bat. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I remember I once worked at a sports shop and we had a guy come round who to, 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 this is back in the late 90s, showing my age, and when a guy came round who explained to us about um, Adidas Predator boots, because they were quite revolutionary at the time. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, he, he, and he gave us a little presentation. He's from Adidas. And he said at the end, has anyone got any questions? And some people put their hands up, so how do they work? And, you know, what, what do we say to, to the customers and everything? And then one guy put his hand up and said, uh, yeah, are there any plans to bring out a Predator cricket bat? <laughs> <laughs> And the guy was like, uh, no. <laughs> anyway, uh, we've got an email here from Chris. Hello to you, Chris. He says, uh, um, he emailed earlier in the week, um, or we got an email earlier in the week about news of a baby in Chile called Griezmann Mbappe. Unreal. Yeah, which Unreal. people will, uh, will remember. Well, there's an update to this story, and I double-checked this to be, make sure it's absolutely uh, uh, absolutely true. Did you not believe Chris? Well, it's not that. I, didn't. I just think if, <laughs> if, if I want to get a proper bit of corroboration around a story in this day and age, because it's very uh, important, there's a lot of misinformation and fake news on the internet. I always go to GiveMeSports.com, <laughs> uh, which has confirmed the story. Um, so, hello to you, the good people at Give Me Sports. <laughs> I did an interview with them a few did weeks you? ago. Yeah. yeah. Well, Lovely I mean, I'll, I'll rest my case. Lovely people. <laughs> uh, I'm sure they're great. I'm sure they're great. Uh, apparently, Griezmann Mbappe already has a brother called James Modric. 
Uh, or maybe that's Hammers Modric. I think it probably is Hammers Modric. Yeah, Hammers. Hammers. And Cousins called Andreas Iniesta. Just gone for straight Andreas Iniesta. Yeah, there. no mix up in yeah. there. Um, Neymar Ronaldo. Um, Lionel Messi. Is that Lionel spelt wrong? Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. Michael Douglas. Yeah, Michael Douglas. And Alexis Charles. And Chris says, it's absolutely brilliant, but also terrifying pressure for the kids at the same time. Alexis Charles. Why am I not getting that one? Uh, just Alexis Sanchez, I guess. Yeah, okay, yeah. fine. But Andy... The this, Charles bit just got stuck in there. But in South America, right, this is this kind of thing's been going on for ages, right? And they, yeah. they, 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 it's, a, it's quite a big tradition to name your kids after famous people that you like and stuff. Seriously? Right? It seems to be. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think there's any better than, than Michael Douglas. Michael Douglas is named after Michael Douglas. Yeah, yeah. And Lionel Messi is named after Lionel Richie, as we, as uh-huh. we all say. Um, so it's it kind of is interesting, but also it's kind of been going on for a while. So I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm not besmirching Chris or undermining his point. I'm just saying this kind of stuff does happen. The the, the Brazilian player Alan Delon was one of my favourites. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> that's a French new wave actor. Yeah, that's fantastic. Wow. Any more of those? Yeah. Go send them in. Yeah. yeah. Maybe you're named. Maybe a listener's named after a football player. Maybe that'd be great. Yeah. Let us know. I think you'd get laughed at here, though, wouldn't you? Like if this is this is might be a tradition in South America, but I don't. Imagine you went into school and you're like, "Hi, yeah. my name's Me- my name's Lionel Messi." Why would you, you walk into like, school just saying that? People would probably ask you what your name was. You're not going to announce it that you would. <laughs> would you weird. Would you prefer to like go to school and go, "My name is Terry Herlock Breach"? <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, in, I know what you mean though, because in South America, to us, it just seems cool. Here, it's like it's not cool, is it? No. Yeah. It wasn't. No. Name after uh, hello. What's your name? Uh, Sean. Sean Gregan. You know what I mean? <laughs> What's your name? Jennifer Lopez. Like, you, like, you know what I mean? Like, That's what you choose. I mean, yeah, I would. I mean, I want to be her, but I don't think I'd want to be called that name. That or Sean Paul. Yeah, right. Get in touch with us. Any emails, send them in. Show at footballramble.com or tweet us at footballramble. Right. Uh, Luke's been looking forward to this. Let's slag off Man United. Yeah. No, let's just talk about what's happening there at the moment because, um, look, it's been a little bit of time now since Ralph Ragnick's been in, albeit. He hasn't been in charge of that many games because of the postponements he's had and because of the training ground being closed and the fact he's not had as much time with the players as he's had in terms of actual time since he was appointed as the interim manager. But he already seems to be facing quite a bit of unrest, doesn't he? Because it hasn't seemed to have worked so far. We're not really seeing a massive difference on the pitch. The results haven't been there either. So what is the problem? Because I think that is the question on everyone's lips. At well, the I don't moment. think there's just one problem. No, there's is a few, there? isn't there? Yeah, I, th- I thought that was that was quite a generous sum up there, Jules. Because when, <laughs> when, when, you, when, you, when you were saying... I work it, for the Premier League, Andy. <laughs> yeah. Because in my notes here, I've got, um, it's descended into some kind of Lord of the Flies scenario. <laughs> so you've been a lot more generous than I I am be. trying to bring the balance here. Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, that, that, no, that, that is fair. Um, but when, when you say... Um, it hasn't quite gone to plan so far. One might say that a coach has come in who wants them to press and be a lot more physical, not in terms of clattering people up in the air, but running than the previous regime. And the players don't like it. Mm. Now, this reaction from the players is, I think, quite predictable in in the situation. The question is, do the board blink, I suppose? Um, Both short-term and and medium-term. I don't think you can overlook that there are issues with Rangnick and there always were because, not just because, as we pointed out before he was actually officially appointed, um, he's only been a a coach for two of the last 11 seasons and that's clearly an issue coming into Manchester United. I think there's a lot to suggest that he is... 
I don't, I don't know. I don't even know if the right person to be the coach of Manchester United is the is is the way to frame it. He, he's the right person, I think, to have at the club and to set a philosophy. But how an interim coach can set a philosophy, even with them saying, "Well, he's going to be." upstairs for two years as a consultant which is such a woolly term yeah. I mean there's nothing to say he won't be quietly moved upstairs and after six months they pay him off and he never comes back to the club I also, you know. I also love the term upstairs because do they actually walk upstairs <laughs> do, do they actually but they, go upstairs they definitely do at Old Trafford I mean have you seen the main stand they definitely <laughs> no, if, do if you're Ralph Ranick, I don't want to cast aspersions on the man's character because I don't know him but if you're Ralph Ranick and you are giving yourself a, not only a ticket on the main not a gravy train, one that says consultant, which as Andy says, mm. you know, kindly, I think, it's a bit woolly. It's so vague, it's unbelievable. When you say ticket, it does make me think of Christian Gross. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, which, so, which it which doesn't bode well. <laughs> but but you're absolutely you've you touched on it there. I know the guys have discussed it over the last week or two as well. You know, we have to we have to separate out here this idea that it becomes as everything does in in, in popular discourse these days. Are you either for XG or against XG, or are you for um, Ralph Ranick or not? And, and, and I'm for XG. We would have been in yeah. the Champions League last year if it was. <laughs> yeah, fine. <laughs> so you've got your own cross to bear. That's fine. But my point is this: you can separate these things out. You can say, of course, if you on if you're on nodding terms with European football, which I like to think I am, no more than nodding terms, but certainly on nodding terms, Ralph Ranick's been an incredibly important figure in the world of coaching, and Andy will talk to you all day, literally all day, about how influential he's been. Great, that's fine. It doesn't make him, A, completely useless or pointless. Who, Andy? But, no. <laughs> no, Ralph. But, but, but it also doesn't make him the right man for this job. And if you think he's the right man for this job, for some of the reasons Andy said, but not limited to just those reasons, if you think he is the right man for this job in the situation, I think you're, you're mad. You've got rocks in your head because, because there's no way he is what they need. If he comes in and they say he is given a three or four year contract to impart his kind of experience and his philosophy on the club that has essentially been rudderless since Sir Alex Ferguson left and needs it and he's going to be a key figure in appointing the new coach and the coach is going to sit up to him, under him the philosophy is going to be what it is and we're going to stick to it great everyone's happy with that don't give him six months in the job when he's not coached for however long and the fact that whether we like it or not this is a results business of course and he's won absolutely nothing I mean he's won the square root of fuck all right mm. well, what's he won? nothing is what occasional he's won like a league yeah second, second, second tier right yeah, yeah. promotion so this is Manchester United we're talking about mm. I don't it, want to force the trap doing that he, thing he where did he just... get to Schalke to the semi-finals of the Champions League fine yeah. fine how long ago was but, that but, but yeah yeah you're right and that's that's not really the issue it's about he's there for philosophy not to be necessarily a title winning coach and that I think underlines that they are in this transitional place but it also the, the capacity in which he's been introduced does question whether his influence is going to be used in the right way, I think. I, I, I oh. think him as a kingmaker makes better sense than him as the king. And the biggest alarm bell, I think, was in that introductory press conference where he said, well, if I've done well after uh, six months, mm. maybe maybe I'll recommend that yeah. I stay on. Yeah. And, you know, at the press conference... <laughs> He's half, having a great time. Half, half, the, half, the, the, money half the people are laughing and thinking, oh, that's a great bit of humour. Uh, and the other half thinking... Does he, does he mean it? Mm. And it's, it's a huge problem. I think so much has been focused on the players and the players not being happy with it. As we said, they had an easy life with Solskjaer. So this is the most predictable thing ever. But the, what, what's been less pointed out, his frustration. He has been so frustrated with what he's got back from the players. It's kind of like, I guess, when you uh, buy, buy a house and all of a sudden you realise the boiler doesn't work and the roof needs fixing and all that sort of stuff. It feels like he's that 
he is that house owner at the moment. And because you, you it, know what you should do in that situation is get a better survey done. Yeah. <laughs> you can't so do that retrospectively, this, so in this can you? Situation, what, so you, you, could have, you could have told him. Yeah, you, you could have told him because I, I, I think that I wouldn't that get a survey of Old Trafford if I were you. He is. He has been so annoyed, and he's not. He's not a ranter and raver. But I, I, after I did the game when they um, played at Newcastle, in which they were obviously absolutely dreadful. And after that, he articulated his unhappiness without shouting or raising his voice quite explicitly. And he used the word physicality a lot. Mm. He said, we need to show more of that. I don't know how you do that mid-season. I don't know how you get the team that much fitter, especially when we've got all these games, postponements, disruptions, all this sort of stuff. And of course, with a one European country that doesn't have yeah. a winter break, it's impossible to do. I think. Well, actually, Andy, I was going to say I, I read. Or difficult. I read your, your article in the Guardian after that Newcastle game, um, <coughs> where you dissected the situation at Manchester United since Ralph Rangnick had, had gone in really well, um, and it was a really interesting read. And and since then, as you mentioned, the players are un, unhappy. The reports this morning are that seventeen players are unhappy and that 11 of the Manchester United players are seeking a way out. Now, look, we don't know whether... How do we know that, though? Well, it's like exactly. when you go for an airport and you have to press that button. About your, <laughs> what was your experience at, at, at Man United today? Happy face, normal sort of straight face or sad face, and 17 of them pressed the yeah, sad maybe. face. maybe. That might be it. But yeah. look, it, as Andy said, it's how Manchester United expected that with a man like Ralph Rangnick coming in and the philosophy that everyone knew he was bringing how they would do that in the short term. Because if we remember when Ole Gunnar Solskjaer um, departed Manchester United a couple of months ago, the talk was, look, there's still a long way to go in this season. There is still plenty that Manchester United can achieve. But actually, when you look at it now, we are in January. We're heading into an FA Cup weekend. There's all of these matches that still need to be played. Then we've got international breaks coming up, AFCON, all the rest of it that that's being shoved into this end part of the season middle to end and then as well as that you've got a change happening with the board at Manchester United yeah. Richard Arnold who has been part of the commercial setup at Manchester United has effectively got a promotion to chief executive with Ed Woodward stepping away and so there's going to be a change in that respect whether that's a good thing or a bad thing that Richard Arnold has been at the club since I think 2013 he's been there quite mm. some time now and he knows how the club works And but this is a very different role for him as well so how that fits in to Ralph Rangnick and what he wants to to do at the club and then a potential new manager that's going to come in in the summer. What happens between now and then, I think, is what Manchester United fans want to know. Yeah, and I think, you know, <clears throat> bringing Richard Arnold into this is is an interesting angle because Man United have completely lost their way as a football club. I think we can all agree on that. They've completely lost their way. And their solution to this problem is to bring in Richard Arnold. Now, I know he's been at the club for a while, but he's an accountant. Richard Arnold is an accountant. He started off his career, I believe, at PricewaterhouseCoopers, and he's worked his way through, you know, been very successful, and good luck to him, in the commercial side of, of, of life, and, and been, you know, I know he's been at United for, you know, getting on for 15 years now. He's not, he's not a guy who has really any kind of meaningful football background that anyone of any kind of big decision-making power or big experience would recognise. And what you've got to ask yourself is this, is that what they need? Maybe it is, I don't know. Or is that, indicative of what they've become as an entity because to many people now including many upset Man United fans and you know probably rightly so United have a lesser football club and more a content creating kind of commercial powerhouse 
that really only care about the bottom nine. And we don't want to go into the great detail all day about what that means with the Glazers and all the rest of it. We know why it's happened and we can see it happening in front of us. I don't know necessarily whether you think Richard Arnold coming in is going to really change anything because the football side of the business has lost its way. And the reason it's lost its way is because it's been completely fucking neglected. And it's been neglected, not the popular misconception has been neglected since Alex Ferguson left. It's actually not the case. Alex Ferguson was the, the emperor of that club. And a lot of stuff almost certainly set, set in while he was still there because there was no one else really to kind of set up any kind of succession plan. And it's yeah, been, he was in, in his last couple of seasons... He was Zidane squeezing the last little bit that was possible out of that, that probably no other manager could have done. And, and he, obviously, yeah. in my opinion, he's the greatest club manager in the history of this country. And I don't think that's a controversial thing. But yeah. again, it speaks to what we we're talking about earlier with the postponement of games and, and different associations and stuff. The very idea that this can happen, not just at Man United, but at Arsenal as well, it shows you that the people making decisions at big football clubs are just not that good. Like You know that a, a man who is in, in his 70s is going to leave this job. Right, It is your responsibility when you sit literally over and above him at this club to understand that you've got to plan some kind of succession. Don't just leave it to him with the greatest respect for him, one of the best football managers of all time. He's 70. <laughs> you've let him choose David yeah. Moyes. Basically, what, what, what you're saying is Manchester United is succession. It is so, a bit. So, so who's Ralph Rangnick? Is is he is he Connor? Oh, don't do any spoilers for me. <laughs> no, you I'm can't. Not, I'm not there Jules yet. Jules isn't at the finish I'm yet. I'm not there yet. But, but, um, and, 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 <laughs> so, Solskjaer was Kendall, right? <laughs> No, 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 no. It doesn't fit Kendall. Right. No, I'd have to think about that. Well, apparently they are now in for Ruben Neves if you can't That'll beat the opposition. It. Why Just not buy, buy the, them? Yeah. <laughs> buy the left player who did well against you every week. Yeah. <laughs> um, look, that's just one of the few transfer stories that are sort of floating around. Um, one of the ones that really caught my eye is this potential move for Philippe Coutinho back to the Premier League. I still remember when that deal was done for him to move to Barcelona from Liverpool. 120 million, was it? It was the, I mean, it's an in- insane amount of money even now. When I think it was 105, it. potentially rising to 142, wasn't it? Oh, I'm sure he, I mean, I'm not sure he hit the, uh, the uh, incentives <laughs> though. There. <laughs> Andy um, might better confirm. Yeah, it, I mean, look, he's been linked with several clubs, Arsenal, Everton, Newcastle and Spurs. But the one that I think is most interesting is his fresh links with Aston Villa. Um, apparently, Steven Gerrard, who of course played with Coutinho for a couple of seasons when they were at Liverpool together... He got in touch with him and now Villa are monitoring the situation. Look, it's not worked out for him at Barcelona, Andy. No. How likely is this move to happen? And do you think we could it's see like him at saying, Villa? Because... Um, it's like saying that Abraham Lincoln's trip to the theatre didn't quite work out for him. <laughs> 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 Apart from that, how was the play, Mrs. Lincoln? As they say? <laughs> because, I mean, I think for Villa fans, this is the sort of player that they would like to be linked with, albeit he's not had the best couple of years. But... What a player no, in his prime. Ex- exactly. And when he has had the opportunity to play, he still looked like a going concern. I think that's sometimes right. overlooked because he, he hasn't met the <laughs> the consistent standards that you would expect after having that much money spent on him. But it kind of feeds into the Manchester United thing, really. You know, how they bought Paul Pogba and never built the team around him. How they bought Jadon Sancho and they've got no plan really on how specifically to use him. That's exactly what happened with Despite Barcelona the, the, the and year to get used to the idea that they were getting him. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, exactly. You t- oh is it you turning up today? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, we'll find you a locker. 
But it's it's the same thing with Coutinho. Like Barcelona never had a plan on how he would fit into the team, which is extraordinary when you spend that much money on a player. And you know he's had his little moments at Barcelona. And he's had his little moments at, at Bayern when he's when it, it's clear that the ability is is still there. If he can be fit and be a key player and, and be a main player in whichever Premier League team he turns up to, because I'm sure he'll end up in the Premier League by the end of the window. What has changed at the moment is Barcelona's need to get him off the wage bill is greater than it has ever been. They, having made this hard line that we're not gonna, we're not, we're not gonna subsidise any of these wages for for these players that we have on our books. That they have to, because no one, not even Premier League teams, <laughs> are going to pay. <laughs> north of 200k a week for a, a, a player who's, who's, who's barely strung five games together in a row over, yeah. over the last couple of years. And I was just going to add, I'll just add to that and, and add a bit of context around Aston Villa because um, it feeds into what Andy's saying. Aston Villa are quite close up against it in terms of financial fair play. I don't think they've got as much, much room to manoeuvre. So I don't know how that's going to work with the transfer fee, if there is going to be one, and then what that means for their wages and their turnover because of all the clubs, I think um, a couple of places published... Um, financial fair play status for a lot of clubs. I think mm. it was in the context of the Newcastle and the Spurs thing because they've both got a lot of room to manoeuvre. And Villa, who of course have spent a lot of money, don't have much latitude at all. So I don't know how that feeds into the Coutinho thing, Andy, and whether that makes it less likely. Well, I think it's going to be a loan with an option to buy whoever takes him. No one's... But Barcelona take the wages. Is that what you're saying? No, Barcelona, I think, will take some of the wages. I would imagine that whoever gets him will end up paying probably... 60-70% of what he's getting paid. I mean, that's that's still quite a lot. So uh, maybe that is a concern for, mm. for Villa. Yeah. Uh, mm. You got a spare room at yours, Andy, in Newcastle for old Kieran Trippier. Takes, <laughs> takes a while to settle in when you move country, doesn't it? I, I'm building might, a, he might need somewhere for a week or two. I'm building an extension in case uh, Luca Dean and uh, Aaron <laughs> Ramsey are coming as well. <laughs> yeah. Oh, lovely stuff. Um, Right, that is about all we got time for today. Remember, there is a bumper on the continent out today on Football Ramble Presents. Andy, Dotton and Lars are going to be here to talk Barcelona, the situation at Benfica after Jorge Jesus leaves again and transfers across the continent as well. Loads more to look forward to on that. Just head over to Football Ramble Presents. And thanks to you guys for listening once again to the Football Ramble, all part of the ACAST Creator Network. What you got planned the rest of the day, Luke? Um, we're going to do a ramble on with Andy for Ooh. for the Patreon guys, our favourite Patreon subscribers. Thank you very much for your continued support in 2022. Andy and I, I think, are going to ostensibly talk about FA Cup third round and ramble on, and but I'm sure we'll go off on a few tangents as well. So I'm going to do that uh, this afternoon. It's basically, you two are hanging out, and I wasn't invited. <laughs> yeah. much appreciate. Get the message. Right, see you guys next week. Bye. The Football Ramble is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.